I'm going to ask you to give me 35 minutes. Say 35 minutes. 35 minutes. Um, I cannot preach in 21 minutes what is in my heart. And after 39 years, I deserve an extra couple of minutes. So. And, uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, thank you, thank you, son. Thank you, thank you. Okay. Dr. Taylor, so good to have you in the house today. Can you welcome Dr. Rosie Taylor, a good friend in ministry, and we're honored to have Sandy and Patty Calkin here today to have our dear friend Patty Perigivani. And little could we have known that when Bill and Patty and David and Kathy would hang out in, in their home near Newton Falls, Ohio, and she would play on the piano and we would sing the old Gaither songs of what Jesus would do. There are people like Patty. There are people like my family over here. There are people that have known us a long time who are so very, very aware that this is Jesus. That what I want to share with you today, because I'm into my 35 minutes now, <laughs> what I want to share, and it didn't, it didn't start a minute ago, it started right now, okay? <laughs> Those of you that are tracking, I want to share with you about the message and the messenger. Say that with me, the message and the messenger. Say it one more time, the message and the messenger. Can I tell you that for 39 years, the message has never changed? It's Jesus. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. It's not Jesus minus something or Jesus plus something. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. I would either be dead and in hell today, or I would be living a meaningless purposeless, self-centered, sinful life without Jesus. The fact that he came into my heart at the age of 19 and changed my life and, and then called me, when I tell you that I'm still amazed that he saved me, I, that's not a joke. That's not some cute little statement. I, I stink and mean it. I'm, I cannot get over the fact that he saved me. I'm born again. My sins have been forgiven. My, my name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Amen. I have eternal life inside of me. Amen. I never, ever want to get used to like, oh, yeah, oh, no, like, wow, can you believe this? I'm saved. <laughs> then to think that he would call me, oh, get out. Me? who took the failing grade rather than giving an oral book report in front of 25 fellow students at Badger High School as a senior? Me? Speak? I, I'll be in France this week and having the opportunity actually with Muslims to, to represent Jesus. What's that about? How, how can he do that? The message and the messenger. Paul is writing in 1 Corinthians. And he had spent 18, 18 months with this young church 
founded this church in Corinth. And, and, but now he's been gone a while and he's concerned. He says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 12 and 13, he says, now I say this, that each of you says I'm of Paul and I'm of Apollos or I'm of Cephas or the real spiritual one said I'm of Christ. He asks the question, is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? There was division, there, there was strife in the church. He mentioned it also in the following chapter, in chapter 3. He called them baby Christians, even though they'd walked with the Lord a while. They were still carnal. They were babies because they were divided. We catch the story up in the same chapter, 1 Corinthians 1, verse 17. Paul then reminds them because he didn't want people to think that he was trying to get people to simply follow him and not follow Jesus. He had said elsewhere, follow me as I follow Christ. Oh, we set an example. Anyone who says, well, oh, don't, don't get your eyes on me. The, the fact is people are going to watch you, but you're not their savior. You're not their Lord. You're, not, you're, you're, you're an example, and you have a responsibility in that. So in verse 17, he says, For Christ did not send me to baptize. In other words, I didn't baptize in my own name, but he, but, but he sent me to preach the gospel, the good news, not with the wisdom of words. Why? Lest the cross of Christ should be made of no effect. And then he says in verse 18, he begins to talk about the message. Say that with me, the message. See, there, there's not a, a gazillion messages that can save you. We, we, if you're born again, if you know Jesus, you, you met Jesus the way I met Jesus at the cross. Oh, oh, it may have been, in, a, in my case, it was in a school building. For you, it may have been in a Sunday school class or a vacation Bible school. Or it could have, you could have been driving down the road. But, but I can tell you this, no matter where your body was at, you, you came to a bloodstained cross. That's the only way you get born again. You don't decide one day, I, I, I think I'm going to live a better life. And then, and then you say that I've been born again. No, 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 no. No, you came to God just as you were. Lost, undone, deserving hell. And you, you said to God, I'm lost. I, I, I have no excuse. I cannot blame anyone else. I, I need a Savior. And you get an understanding that God loved you so much that He gave His Son for you. And that you need a Savior. You, you, you don't need a, uh, some philosophy. You don't need uh, uh, some, some good luck charm. You, you need a Savior. You need somebody who can do for you what only God can do for you. He says in verse 18, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it's the power of God. Oh, we look at it completely different. The philosophers today, they, they think you and I are foolish. They, they say, what, what do you mean the cross? Oh, we're not talking about a piece of jewelry around your neck. We're not, we're not talking about even something that would hang on a wall. There's nothing wrong with the jewelry. There's nothing wrong with a cross on the wall. But it's when you come to Jesus. See, the cross without Jesus is just a piece of wood. But, but when the one who was born of a virgin, the, the one who lived a perfect, sinless life, the only begotten of the Father, when He was nailed to the cross, He was nailed there for your sin. 
He was nailed there for my sin. He paid the price in full. He said on that cross, before he died, he said, it is finished. I paid it in full. You can't be good enough. You cannot be religious enough. You cannot obey the law good enough. But I paid the price in full for you so that you can be a child of my Father in heaven. Lift up a shout today. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it's the power of God. Verse 19, Paul then quotes Isaiah said, For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. He said, where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God, it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. For Jews request a sign and Greeks seek after wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. Church, that's the message. That's the message. That's the message. You say you believe in the old time gospel. Honey, you better believe it. I'll lay down my life for the old time gospel. You say, don't you realize you look foolish? Well, that's what Paul said. Oh, you can turn on your TV set and watch Dr. Doolittle and this theologian and this person, and they'll tell you why the Bible is not real. They'll tell you that, that, that Jesus really was not born of a virgin. They'll tell you that, that he did not resurrect from the dead. But that is the wisdom of this world, which is foolishness. That doesn't save you. And I can tell you that the pride of man does not last beyond that man's last heartbeat. Every man, every woman, every boy, every girl will stand before the living God. And the Bible says that every knee will bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. Lift up a shout for Jesus. My God, He's alive. He's alive. He changed my life. He's still changing lives. Some good works gospel doesn't change anybody. Some philosophy doesn't change anybody. But the preaching of the cross, the blood-stained cross, I still believe in that old rugged cross. Verse 24 says, But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, both Jews and Gentiles, that's everybody. Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. Listen, God's not nervous. If y'all want to know, I talked to him this morning. He's in a really good mood. And he's not nervous. And he doesn't want his kids who know him to get real nervous and upset about the condition of the world. In fact, he told me he's going to shake everything that can be shaken so that the only thing that will remove is that which is unshakable. Come on. 
Don't you get upset about this and that and the other thing. It's just a sign of the times. We're standing on the solid rock of Jesus Christ. The cross is still the message. It has always been, it always will be. What about the messenger? Thank you for asking. Because the message does not change. And in fact, when God gets out his toolbox and reaches in for a tool, it's still the same. Here's God's toolbox, the messenger. Verse 26, for you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called, but God, say, but God. But God has chosen. I love that. But God has chosen. What? The foolish things of the world. Why? To put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised God has chosen. And the things which are not. Why? To bring to nothing the things that are. And verse 29 wraps it all up that no flesh should glory in his presence. But of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God, and righteousness, and sanctification, and redemption, that as it is written, he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. God chooses the weak things of the world to confound the wise. You're looking at a weak thing. You're looking at a foolish thing. What do you mean by that? Well, they they didn't give me a chance. I mean, I'm a a first-generation Christian, got saved at the age of 19. I've never been to Bible school, never been to seminary. All of my relatives were mechanics and welders and blue-collar workers, and I, I couldn't speak. I, even when I went into ministry, I'd, I'd go to meetings and they'd say, what Bible school did you go to? And I'm like, mm-hmm. <laughs> well, you'll never amount to much. You know that, don't you? You might, you might do okay in some little local podunk, you know, holler place, but you know, you're never going to amount to much. You know that, don't you? Yeah. yeah. See, because I don't want to amount to much. I, 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 want, I want people, honestly, to look at me and say, my God, if he can use him, there's hope for me. <laughs> Seriously. You say, but you've got that brilliant education. I've, I've got some education, but I've got to tell you, no, not, not a brilliant education. Oh, but but you, you, you were, you, you were yeah, ne- never mind, Let, let's get back here. The message and the messenger. See, in the eyes of the world, those whom God chooses to use appear foolish. They, they appear weak. They, they appear base, and they're despised, and they're insignificant in the eyes of the world. Isn't it amazing? In the eyes of the world, when you're born again, when you, when you believe that there's only one message, and it's the cross, there, there's a lot of people that are going to say, you don't have much brains, do you? Yeah, you're, you're not very bright, are you, to, to believe in that? What, you talk to a, somebody up there in the sky, uh, 
don't you know that don't you know evolution is in their mind evolution's a fact that you know we just evolved out of a swamp and this happened and that happened and the other thing happened and you know yet you believe that god created you're that stupid called faith it's called faith and when and and when i look at the amazing creation it would take way more faith to believe it's all an accident it just happened that'd be as dumb as walking out in the parking lot and you got a nice car out there. Some of you drive Lexus and some of you Mercedes and Chevys and Fords and this and that. And there's a really nice, the best looking car in the parking lot. And, and I look at it and I say, wow, who made that? Oh, nobody. But, but wait a minute, wait a minute, who designed that? Oh, no, nobody, nobody, nobody. But man, yeah, look at that design, look how cool, man. Look at this, oh, it just happened. I was standing in my garage one day and down the alley came some tires. And out the other street came some doors and an engine came this way and ah! They, you, you want me to, to believe that? That, that, that beautiful vehicle you drive had no designer, had nobody behind it. It just happened. Well, it took a long time, but it just happened. All the Listen, there's with the message a weight of responsibility. In Luke chapter 9, verse 23, Jesus said to all, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross. No, not, not Jesus' cross, your cross. Let him take up his cross daily and follow me. Very fascinating verse. Why? Because Jesus has not gone to his cross yet. But he's preparing it. He said, listen, you want to be my follower? You want to be my disciple? Yeah! It's going to cost you. It's going to cost you. Oh, no, 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 God, you don't understand. I want the forgiveness of sins. I want eternal life, but I don't want it to cost me anything. Then you can't be my disciple. What do you mean? No, no, I set the rules. You don't set the rules. Religion doesn't set the rules. I set the rules. What, what, what are you saying? What I'm saying is that you can truly only follow me and be my disciple if you deny self. What do you mean by that? You need to step off the throne of your heart where that you're in control. You're the boss. It's me. I do what I want, when I want. I'm in control. If you want to be my disciple, you've got to vacate the throne of your heart. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well, then what? You need to let me be seated on the throne of your heart. What? Yeah. yeah. If I'm not Lord of all, I'm not Lord at all. 
Is there anything else, Jesus? Yeah, you're going to have to pick up your cross. And you're going to have to carry your cross. How often? Every day. What? What? See, if you bought into some easy believism that it's just about praying a simple little prayer and just doing your best and, you know, you've been told a lie. See, this only works when you do it God's way. The message of the cross is heavy. But can I tell you, when you pick up your cross and follow him, you will never experience life as it was meant to be until you do that. Because life will be about you. Life will be about how much fun you can have, how much pleasure you can have, how much sex or money or alcohol or drugs or fame or what's in it for me. But when you come to God, you then really begin to live a life of it's not my will, but it's your will that matters. And and there's a weight with that. There's a responsibility. Paul said in Galatians 5.11 that there's an offense that comes with the cross. He said in Galatians 6.12 there can be persecution that comes with the cross. Ask Ask our Egyptian brothers and sisters in Christ if there's a cost to being a Christian that just a couple of weeks ago, oh, you didn't see it on the news. I had to repost it on on Facebook because there's only one major news network that even ever mentioned the fact that two busloads of Christians on the way to prayer, that they were stopped and they were asked if if they were Christians or if they were Muslims. And they were given the opportunity to, not, to deny Christ, and they were killed. Their life was taken because they refused to deny Christ. What, 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 if, what if that was you? What, what if that was me? What, what if that happened in our country? It could. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 16, and that He, Jesus, might reconcile them both, Jew and Gentile, to God in one body. How? Through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. In Philippians chapter 2 and verse 8, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death. How far? Even the death of the what? Cross? We're not talking about a piece of wood. We're talking about God becoming flesh. Philippians chapter 3, verse 18, For many walk, of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ. Do you you realize there are people in church today, church, who are enemies of the cross of Christ? They, they, They go to church, but they think we're crazy because we really... We believe this book from Genesis to Revelation. Yes, they said, you've got to be kidding. You believe those fairy tales. Those aren't fairy tales. This is the word of God. Yes. And you say, well, you're insulting my intelligence. Great. <laughs> because if you think you're intelligent, 
because you deny God, the foolishness of God is wiser than men. You, you have to make a choice. If you want to make everybody in the world happy and compromise, you can do that, but you can't have it both ways. Colossians chapter 1, verse 13. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of, of the Son of His love. Verse 14. In whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. He's the image of the invisible God. He's the firstborn over all creation. For by Him, by Christ, all things were created that are in heaven, that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him. He's pretty important. Are you getting this? That Jesus isn't a bystander. Jesus isn't like, oh yeah, he's like the second in command. He, he's a little bit, no, look, verse 17, and he is before all things and in him all things consist. He's the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. For please the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell, and by him to reconcile all things to himself, by him whether things on earth or things in heaven. How did he do it? Look at verse 20. Look at the underlined part. Read it with me. Having made peace through the blood of his cross. The cross is the message. You say, yeah, it's such an old, old message. It, it is the relevant message. It is the only message. Verse 21, and you who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. If indeed you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast, and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you heard. Listen, that means you can move. You can be born again, go to the cross, and get away. Begin to say, well, yeah, you need Jesus, but then you begin to add, no, it's Jesus. The message is the cross. As I round the bend towards home, the messenger. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 27 and 29 in the New Living Translation. Instead, God chose the world, chose the things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. And he chose things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. Do you realize that Coitsville, 39 years ago, I had an aunt that lived up the road, right up the road. And I had spent a lot of time at Aunt Betty's house. Some of you know Aunt Betty and some of my relatives. And Aunt Betty, I, I called Aunt Betty and I said, hey, I'm going to be preaching down at this church. You know, and here's what Aunt Betty said to me. She had visited the church once. She said, oh, David, please don't go to that church. That's what she said. This church had a bad reputation. It had had five people for many, many years and Pastors told me every month it was on the agenda, is this the month we shut down what was then called First Assembly of God? Oh, there were all kinds of issues, let alone that that Sunday morning 39 years ago as a 26-year-old who had never pastored, when I got in the pulpit that morning, I looked out at the previous pastor's wife and children and grandchildren. I looked out at a female 
board member's family, and the reason I was even there that Sunday morning is that the pastor and that female board member had committed adultery. And that week they had removed him as pastor. People showed up that morning not even knowing that. There was no email. There was no social media. There was no Facebook or Snapchat or, uh, you know, only birds tweeted back then. But, but listen... <laughs> And the only Facebook is when you stuck your face in the book. I, but, <laughs> I was young and naive enough to believe that in spite of what had happened, in spite of my aunt saying, don't go to that church, in spite of stepping into a church of 46 people that that was going to decline very quickly because I knew that the previous pastor's family and the female board member's family, I knew they weren't staying. And Paul was right, it went down under 30 very quickly. But, but see, my confidence wasn't in me. My confidence was in the message of the cross. And all that we've done for all of these years is, is preach Jesus. And Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. It's his church, not mine, not hers. It's his. Mark chapter 2, verse 1 and 2, that, that when Jesus in Capernaum, when he entered into the house, it was noised abroad that he was in the house and there was such a crowd that they couldn't get in. We said, what if, what if the word got out that Jesus is in the house in that church there in Coitsville? I, I had a promise that I'd made to God as a, as a young man when God called me. I said, Lord, if you ever use me, I will never, ever touch your glory. Amen. The same verses that we're sharing today. Verse 28 says, that God chose things despised by the world, things counted as nothing at all, and used them to bring to nothing what the world considers it considers important and as a result no one can ever boast in the presence of God see that's the way God does it he he called Abraham and Sarah when they couldn't have kids anymore he says you're going to be the father of nations what I, I've been trying to have a kid for a long time when I was a young man I couldn't produce a child when Sarah was a young woman we couldn't produce a child now that we're beyond that age we're going to have a kid yeah fact you're going to have so many you're not going to be able to count them god chooses people that in the natural it's impossible moses moses was a murderer and he was way too old and he stuttered he had a speech issue david was too young and inexperienced he was a teenager when he took down goliath deborah was a woman in a male dominant society what chance did deborah have Jeremiah seemed emotionally unstable. Guy just couldn't quit crying. <laughs> Esther, she was an orphan Jewish girl who won a beauty contest. I mean, let, let, I mean we, we, we romanticize her, but that's the reality. So what was her outstanding quality? She was a good-looking babe. <laughs> I'm sorry. You say, what about the halo? 
Listen, the king was not looking for a halo. The king's wife had done what the, what the queen shouldn't have done, and he was looking for a new queen, and he was looking for a babe. But her heart, her heart, God used. Mary, the mother of Christ, she's a young girl, probably 14, 15, 16 years old. She was a virgin. She was from a very obscure family, not a notable family. Matthew, Matthew, first book of the New Testament. Matthew, hated tax collector. You serious? God's going to call a tax collector and the first book of the New Testament is going to be written by a tax collector? Yeah. Did you ever read Matthew chapter 1 and get bored with all those so-and-so begot so-and-so? But did you read about some of those people? in the bloodline of Christ. Come on, give me a break. Can we call her Rahab without every time having to say that she's Rahab the what? Harlot. Come on. Why does God do that? I don't think you're going to find the name Rahab in, in the Bible that it's not going to be Rahab the harlot. That'd be like David the knucklehead. <laughs> that every time I name, oh yeah, David the knucklehead. <laughs> what am I saying? There's hope for you. There's hope for me. Peter was off in the bowl in the china shop. And he just opened up his mouth and got himself into trouble time after time. He denied he even knew the Lord to a young, young lady. Wasn't like a brute of a Roman soldier. It was a young girl. He said, I don't even know the man. Saul of Tarsus was a terrorist of the early church. I close with Mark chapter 8, verse 38. Here's how I want us to close. I want you to consider your relationship with God. Do you know him? Are you sure that you know him? If your heart were to take its final beat, are you certain, sir, are you certain, ma'am, that you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Did you once walk close with the Lord and you've drifted away and at the best, at this point, you're either lukewarm or a backslider. Today's your day. I'm going to ask everybody in this room in a moment to recommit to the message of the cross. Every one of you. If you say, I'm born again, I love Jesus, I want to serve the Lord all the days of my life, I'm going to ask you to recommit to the message of the cross. That you will not move. And then finally, I'm going to ask every one of you to offer your life up to God. That whatever your destiny is, whatever your potential is, that you realize that as a messenger, he's not looking for the best looking and the 
the most intelligent and the person who thinks they've got it all together. He's looking for people that will simply say, Lord, here am I, use me. That's it. He doesn't want superstars. He wants ordinary people. Would you stand to your feet? And I want you to listen to these verses as you stand. Jesus is speaking. In Matthew chapter 8, verse 38, if anyone is ashamed of me and my message in these adulterous and sinful days, the Son of Man will be ashamed of that person when he returns in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Listen, I, I remember becoming a Christian at the age of 19. And I was on strike working at General Motors. And I, I was just a young dude. I was athletic. I was in good shape. I had a beautiful girlfriend. I would ordered a new Camaro. I had a lot going for me. But during that strike in October of 1970, I was born again. And now I'm going back to work at Lordstown. I knew that I could not stick my nose in the air and become holier than that. But I also knew I couldn't compromise. I knew that the same guys were going to be around me telling their dirty jokes and bringing their pornography and just being like, that's the way it is. What do I do? Here's what I knew. I read that verse and I thought, I can't be ashamed of him. I can't overhear at church on Sunday morning love him and then when it, when it costs me ridicule or people making fun of me, then I somehow deny him that I just sort of skirt the issue. Jesus said, listen, if you're ashamed of me before people, I'll be ashamed of you before my father. That scared me. You, you say scared, yeah. In the Greek, it's scared. In the Hebrew, it's scared. In tongues, it's scared. You say you have a fear of God. I choose the fear of God. He's real. He's loving. He's merciful. He's kind. But he means what he said. Romans, Romans 1.16, Paul said, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first, but also to the Gentile. Don't be ashamed of the gospel. Don't, don't come to church here at Victory on Sunday and you run into somebody later on today or this weekend, uh, oh, what'd you do on Sunday? Don't be backward, don't be ashamed. You don't have to stand up on a soapbox and beat somebody over the head with a Bible. In fact, don't do that. Be wise as a serpent and gentle as a dove. But in your heart, never, ever be ashamed. He died for you. Why would you be ashamed of that? 1 Peter 4, 16. But it is no shame to suffer for being a Christian. Praise God for the privilege of being called by his name. On this 39th anniversary, I, God dropped into my heart to talk to you, Victory Christian Center, Coitsville campus, about the message of the cross. Never changes. 
and the messenger God still uses you and I. Would you bow your head as you stand there today? Every head bowed, every eye closed. I want no one looking around. I want you to right now shut in with God. I want you to look into your heart right now. I want you to take a spiritual inventory. Do you know Christ? Have you come to a bloodstained cross? Have you been born again? For Jesus said, except a person is born again, they cannot see the kingdom of God. Do you know without a shadow of a doubt that if your heart were to take its final beat today, that you would stand in front of God and your heart would be right, not because you're a good person, not because you're a religious person, but because you could point to a time that you know your sins were forgiven. With every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around, this is the most serious moment in your life. I want to ask you, as you look inside, does Christ live there? Is he seated on the throne of your heart, or is it still you? How many of you today, with every head bowed, every eye closed, how many of you today would say, Pastor, would you pray for me? Because I'm not sure. I, I, I'm not 100% certain that my heart is right with God. But I'd like my heart to be right with the Lord. Would you pray for me with every head bowed, every eye closed? If you'd like me to pray for you because you are not sure, would you slip up your right hand right now? All around the building, don't be backward. Don't be ashamed. Come on, this is a serious moment. Real high, real high, real high. You're saying either I, I, I'm not sure I've ever met the Lord or I, I don't like where I'm at right now. I'm concerned about where I'm at right now. And, and I don't want to get on a slippery slope. I, I don't want to begin to compromise. Lift it real high, real high. Okay, I'm going to ask you to slip your hand down. I'm going to ask you all to look at me. Everybody look at me right now. You slipped your hand up dozens and dozens and dozens of you, probably more than 50 of you, 75 of you, slipped your hand up and said, I need prayer. I want to pray for you, but I'm going to ask you to do something very bold. We're talking today about nothing more important that ever occurs, your relationship with God. And so if you slipped your hand up and you weren't playing a game, you weren't just stretching, you really meant it, Pastor, would you pray for me? I'm going to ask you to slip out of that aisle that you're in right now. And I want to pray for you down front. Come on, real quick, real quick. Don't be backward. Don't be ashamed. Every person that slips your hand up, come on. Come on, don't be backward. Don't be ashamed. You say, I don't like where I'm at right now. You've either never met the Lord, or you just say, I don't like where I am. I need prayer. Come on, come on, come on, come on. All over the room, there were people in the back. Your hands were up. Come on, don't you be backward, don't you be ashamed. This is, this is a moment you don't want to miss. Come on, all over the room. If you've got one inkling in your heart that things aren't right, you get up here. You get up here now. If you've got one inkling, 
one inkling that you're sort of like got one foot in the world, one foot in the kingdom. You get up here right now because we're praying them. Every person. Now, just before we pray, I want you to think real, real, real deep. Are you sure that you shouldn't be up here? We're not going to sing a song 500 times. But I am going to give you a moment that if you're standing there, there's somebody right now, your heart feels like it's going to jump out of your chest. I don't know who you are. But there's somebody here, I mean this. There's somebody here, you feel like your heart is about ready to jump out of your chest. I don't know who you are, but you get down here right now. I don't care if you're clear at the back. You say, I'm, I'm too embarrassed to come. You want to stand before God and be embarrassed? You come now. You risk your embarrassment. Come on. Come on. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Come on. Come on. This takes courage. This takes courage. I want you all to look at me for a second. And as, as I'm ministering to them, I want every person in this room to be praying. I want you to look me in the eyes. There is nothing, nothing more important than your relationship with God. Talked with one of our young men. He's here today. I talked with him just yesterday. And I told Chris, I said, Chris, the way I am, if I'm not right with God, I'm not right with life. I can't speak for you, but I can speak for me. If I'm not right with God, I'm not right with life. Nothing seems to make sense. Nothing, I'm not the husband I want to be. I'm not the dad. I'm not the pastor. I'm not the bishop. I'm not the friend. I'm not the man. Unless I'm right with God. Nothing is more important than being right with God. You say, how do I get right with God? The great news is that he who knew no sin became sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus so the invitation is like right there he said come to me come to me I'll change you come to me as you are not with your promises that's what scares people they they, they say well I, I'm afraid I'm afraid I'm gonna mess up I'm a, I'm, I really want to be right with God. I really, I really want to know God. I really want to be a follower of Jesus, but I'm afraid I'm going to mess up. I'm not being negative, but you will. Stay with me. See, when a baby is born, a baby learns to crawl before they learn to walk. And even when they're learning to walk, they fall. But guess what? They get back up. I've walked with him for over four decades. You say, Pastor, have you ever messed up? You, you're talking about like over the last hour, or are you talking like longer? So I've done pretty good while I've been up here preaching. Now, now, now stay with me. I'm not talking about being a hypocrite. I'm not talking about like pretending that you're somebody you're not. I'm talking about the fact that even when we're a child of God, there's a reason 1 John 1, 9 is there. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That says that when we sin, 
We are to confess our sin to God and He is faithful and just and He'll forgive us of our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God doesn't want religious robots. He doesn't want your promises. He wants your heart. He wants your heart. He, he just wants to adopt you into His family and hold you. And when you're adopted into His family, you're adopted for life. You're adopted for life. And we like to say when you, when you mess up, you fess up. And then you get up. And you grow in the Lord. And then He begins to use you. Begins to use your life by you just being you. I'm going to ask you to pray a prayer with me right now. Those of you that have come forward, but all around this room, those of you watching online or listening to this podcast, I want to ask you right now to pray a prayer with me. And the most important thing is that you not simply pray this prayer, but that you take a step over a line. That you step over that line of you being in control, you being the Lord, you being the Master. You turn away from that life, that self-centered life, and you turn to a life where Jesus Christ sits on the throne of your heart, and He is Lord. Pray this prayer with me. Dear Heavenly Father, please forgive me of every sin that I've ever committed. I'm sorry that I have failed you and that I have committed trespasses against you. As of this day, please forgive me. Please change me from the inside out. I blame no one else. I take responsibility. I sin and I need your forgiveness. I believe in you, Jesus. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. I believe that you were buried and that you've risen from the dead. And at this very moment, I step off the throne of my heart and I ask you, Lord Jesus, come into my life and be seated on the throne of my heart. Become my Savior, my Lord, and my Master. I thank you, Father, for hearing my prayer. I now believe in my heart and will confess with my mouth that Jesus Christ is my Lord and my Savior. And Lord, use my life for your glory and for your honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we give the Lord praise? Someone give me a copy. There is no greater miracle. And some of you might say, well, I, I know some of the people that are up front, and, and so it, it doesn't matter as much because I, I know them. Oh, really? You mean if a person's on a slippery slope going the wrong way, it doesn't matter if they get grounded again? Are you serious? 
I've got to tell you, every person up here, those that are getting born again, and those that are rededicating their life and getting their heart right, either way, this is a big deal. Big deal. Don't ever minimize. Because no one backslides overnight. There's a slippery slope that happens. We put together something called the road. And in, inside of this packet, for those of you that have never had this, you must take a moment so we can get this into your hands. There's a DVD and a CD where I'm speaking to you and I'm helping you begin to build a spiritual foundation under you. See, when you get born again, it's not like, well, oh, bless God, I'm saved now, just, you know, wait and go to heaven. No, you got to grow as a baby Christian. And so, can, do we have some people helping us with this material? Uh, if you've never received this, put your hand up right now. Put your hand up right now. If you've never received this, can, friends, can you, get, can you get into those right now that have their hand up? Don't be backward. Don't be ashamed. I want to get this in your hands. If you've never received this, I want to place this in your hands. There's a little Gospel of John as well, but just before we, we run, and I, I apologize, I tried to keep it to 35 minutes, but I would not have missed this for a couple of minutes. You know, I, probably, I, I wish that I could have, but I always tell people, you know, you're, if it would have taken like four overtime games for the Cavs to beat the Warriors, I would have enjoyed every overtime game. It didn't happen, uh, by the way. But, but so sometimes overtime is okay. Those of you, you can go online onto our website and you can take the road. Steve, what, what lesson are you at now? 13. You're on lesson 13. Praise God. That is exciting. Give the Lord praise. And so I, I meet with Steve whenever Steve, I'm available whenever Steve's available. And, he, and there I am on his laptop or his computer or his smartphone, whatever. But I want to disciple you. I want to help you. And you can do it through the road. There's so many more things I wanted to say that I can't. I would encourage you though, you can get, you could podcast this message because there's so much more that I wanted to reveal and download. There's a lot of meat on those bones. Young man, you just, you remind me of me. You could have been, well, I'm a Jesus freak. I got saved, in, we got saved in the Jesus people movement. We all look just like you, okay? Yeah, yeah, and, uh, and I, I, what's your first name? Dylan. Dylan. Dylan, may you get on fire for Jesus. Seriously. May you, if you've been radical for the world, you get radical for Jesus. If you've been addicted to the world, you get addicted to Jesus. I believe God's going to use you, Dylan. How old are you? 29. You're a good-looking 29-year-old dude. You single? Who, who, who is this to you? 
That's your nephew, okay? The uncle's taking applications <laughs> for Dylan. I hope you have a moment to step over to the Life Center and so we can hug your neck. And I apologize, I'm a little bit sweaty, so if, if I smell bad, you just hold your nose and hug me. No flesh glories in his presence. He receives all the glory, the honor, and the praise. I want to speak a blessing over you. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, the name which is above every name, and in the power of the cross, the message that never changes, the message that changes hearts and lives, the message that changes families, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and by the power of his blood, may the Lord bless you, may the Lord keep you, and may the Lord cause his face to shine upon your face so that you walk in victory, you walk in joy, you walk in peace. Don't ever forget that the message changed you and that you are the messenger. We bless you in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. give the Lord praise. Would you? We love you. We'll see you over at the Life Center.